Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Well, hello to everybody listening at home. This is the Ordinary Church Podcast. You just heard Pastor Mike reading out of 1 Peter. And it's a little bit of an interesting podcast today. I'm actually here uh, with all the pastoral staff at Grace, here with along with Mike. We've got Brian, Andrew, Randy, James, and myself in the room. And we are social distancing. So if you're listening at home, we are all six feet apart. But we are just going to have a little bit of a roundtable right now kind of in preparation for the Grace Bible Institute that's coming this Sunday night. So, uh, Mike, I'm actually going to turn it right back to you, and you can just lead us through a little bit of a discussion here about the, the topic of the hour, what's coming up uh, on Sunday night. Sure. So so here's the thing. we you know We're in this coronavirus pandemic. We're in this crisis, and a lot of people have spoken into this topic. Uh, we've been speaking about the topic. We've been preaching about the topic. We've been encouraging people behind the scenes one-on-one. Uh, both biblical counseling and just relationally uh, talking about this topic. And so we're kind of inundated, if you think about it, with coronavirus. And now we're going to do a GBI, and I'm going to preach on Sunday morning on coronavirus and Christians. And what we're going to focus on is really helping people navigate the challenges as they still exist. Because while things might have um, gotten a bit better and we're hoping to you know, open up churches and the economy and communities uh, sooner than later, there's still going to be some guidelines. There's still going to be people that are nervous. There's still going to be people that are wondering uh, about getting sick and things like that. And so we're going to be taking three sections and looking at coronavirus and relationships, coronavirus and the church, and coronavirus and government. And so really coronavirus and relationships when it uh, has to do with within the church. And really, if you look at this verse, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 17, where it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. These are four like staccato statements, just one after another, rapid fire, machine gun type statements. And they're strong. And especially strong is honor the emperor. This is a present active indicative. Like you need to do this now. You need to keep doing this. And and you need to uh, do it because it's a command of God. And I think as Americans... Sometimes we start conflating, you know, the Constitution and the Bible, and sometimes our allegiances get a little mixed up. And so we were talking about this earlier, and I think I'll throw that out first, you know, maybe start with the last topic on coronavirus and government, because that's really what's on everybody's minds. What do we do when you've got, you're a Christian, you're a citizen of heaven, your allegiance is to Christ, how much of a dif- distance should there be between your allegiance to Christ and your allegiance to your country, to your government, and all that? And what is God really saying there? What kind of thoughts do you guys have on that? One of my thoughts comes right out of uh, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if we are subject to the governing authorities, we need to understand that that is, first and foremost, under Christ, when we obey, when we are uh, humble, 
when we are honoring the governing authorities, we are honoring Christ who put those governing authorities into place. When we are disrespectful to those who have been put in authority over us, be they mayors, governors, presidents, elders, policemen, parents, we are in essence being disrespectful to Christ himself. Mm -hmm. So as we, as we think about how do we respond to government in the coronavirus situation or really in any situation, I think the, f the first thing that we as Christians ought to be thinking about is I'm honoring Christ. I'm exalting Christ when I am submissive to and I'm honoring the governing authorities. Yeah, I think that goes right along with that passage that I read to begin with. I mean, if you think about it, verse 13 says you're doing this for the Lord's sake. Verse 15 says this is according to the will of God. Verse 16, do this as servants of God. And then you've got verse 17, fearing God. So the idea that, hey, um, this is all wrapped up in the sovereignty of God. This is wrapped up in your worship of God. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I think big picture, it's helpful to remember, you, uh, Mike, you, you talked about our, our national identity versus our identity in Christ. Um, all the way back in Genesis 11, it's... It's under a human, a sinful human uh, humanity that's united with one language that rebels against God. And he divides them into their nationalities essentially because of their sinful rebellion against him. And now as the new creation in the church, we're the anti-Babel, where the nations come back together in the church united in Christ. And so there's a sense, though, also that we... Even in the new creation, it talks about the nations bringing their wealth into the kingdom. And so national identity isn't dissolved in Christ, but it's completely superseded. And so our allegiance is so firmly fixed on Christ. And then Peter situates the whole thing that we're subject to our own governing authorities, whether they're wise or not, and whether they're evil or good, we're subject, like Mike said, um, for the sake of our witness to the world. And so our identity in Christ utterly supersedes our national identity without wiping it out. Um, and we're, we're subject. We live quiet and peaceful lives, not stirring up or pushing back against the government, be they wise or foolish, be they evil or good, um, so that unbelievers will see um, the new creation and the, and the new unity that comes in Christ. And That's right. Flows from that. I mean, think about it. Humanity has been struggling with this since the garden, right? I mean, Adam and Eve were united against God to rebel against him, uh, going, you know, listening to Satan. And, and you look at Genesis 11 and onward. Um, good points in terms of, um, of it doesn't supersede your government, but what do you do? Now think about this. You've got Nero, you know, who had no sanctity of human life in his mind, except for his own life, probably. You have the Caesars who were worshipped as gods, and that's the emperor that Peter is saying, you need to honor that emperor. And we're worried about, you know, political parties in America. I mean, our first world issues are, are very minuscule and doesn't mean that they don't mean anything. It just means that we magnify them, I think, a lot. Yeah, I don't think we want to give, give the government or our society any reason to look down upon us because we're not following along with whatever... The government is asking us to do. If they're asking us to wear masks, we should wear masks because it's it's cooperating as a society and not making ourselves stand out for something as insignificant as a mask 
We want to stand out more for the gospel's sake and not have people look down and say, oh, those Christians, they're not even wearing masks. Why should I listen to them when they're trying to preach the gospel to me? But on the other hand, if we're cooperating with them and and caring about their health as well and say, oh, yeah, he's a Christian. He's wearing a mask. He's trying to protect everybody. Yeah, then that will leave an open door possibly for sharing the gospel with our neighbors or people that we see at the stores. Yeah, we get. I think we get confused, don't we, sometimes, guys, where we get so wrapped up in life right now. You know, we think Colossians 3, 1, uh, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on the things above, not things on earth. And it's like, well, our minds are pretty much stuck on earth a lot of the time. And it's like this battle, which it is a battle for the mind. And I think it's something that is going to always be with us. And this, what about this idea that your human citizenship is for heaven's sake and God's glory. Wrestle with me on that, but chew on that idea. Your human citizenship is for heaven's sake and God's glory. When you say that, I immediately think of when Paul uh, invokes his Roman citizenship to let, to make the gospel go forward. Um, and, and, and maybe it's putting it too strongly to say it this way, but um, if the Constitution gives you a right to revolt against your leaders, but Christ doesn't, Christ wins. And so it's essentially, uh, the question is, is not, do I have a constitutional right to go against my leaders? The question is, does Christ give me that right? Um, and so scripture has to supersede the constitution uh, in that regard. Yeah, I, so well said. You know, I have a, a, a lot of pastor friends and some of them are, you know, on one end of the spectrum or the other when it comes to, you know, making statements in the political realm, right? And my thought is this, that if, if, if we go to the city council, let's say, and we stand up there and we say, or we go to the county board of supervisors, wherever we want to go, and we say, you need to do this because you're taking away our First Amendment rights and you need to give the church back its rights. We could lose a huge, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you could lose a huge gospel opportunity by by just uh, in if you invoke your rights as a human citizen of your city you can lose the right to speak as a heavenly citizen does that make any sense it, it does and i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge andrew or, or take a, a slightly different tact um as a good citizen of this nation we've been given rights and to protest uh, respectfully, is a way of honoring the government because we are we are protesting. It's a right that we've been given. It's a way we engage in our our government, and to do that is honoring. I think the key comes in how we do that. When we stand up, as Mike was saying, and we're pounding the table and demanding our rights, that's not respectful. However, if we approach our our, our leaders and we're respectful to them and we present a position that is rational and well thought out and glorifying to God, and then are submissive to the decision they make, even if we disagree with it, I think we have a great gospel opportunity there because we are showing that we are going to be humble, we're going to be submissive, we're going to be supportive, we're going to be uh, supporting and coming under our, our heavenly citizenship first, but recognizing this is where Christ put us. We were born under God's sovereignty in this nation, 
not in another nation, not under a different political system. He has other people born there, living there. Uh, they need to be good citizens of the country they're under. But to, to protest or to speak our mind and to do so in a way that honors those whom we are speaking to, I think it's, it's fine. Well, sure. And I think, you, you know, you're both hitting on something that is, is you know, you're both on the same, in the same context. You sometimes call it like a double ring where both two things can seem to be um, not aligned, but really they overlap, kind of like the Olympic rings. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Because this, yeah. you know, the Bible hits into every culture and every time. And in the wisdom of God, it can fit in America, it can fit in China, all at the same time. And here's the other thing. This does not preclude you from being the president of the United States or being in government or being a senator or being a civic leader in some way. So, you know, the idea of, um, it doesn't mean that they're always a bad, you know, leader. We, we sometimes assume that means, well, honor the emperor because they're so bad. <laughs> you know, there were actually things that Nero did that were good. And we go, whoa, whoa wait a minute. He actually did a lot of things for the people because he wanted to be liked. And uh, then he did a lot of bad things to Christians, you know, so... And they killed, you know, a lot of these guys killed members of their own family so they wouldn't get to the throne and things like this. But I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, the gospel goes uh, where, where man cannot in, in many ways. We, the gospel is, how did uh, Paul say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 9, uh, the word of God is not in prison. You know, he's like, I'm sitting here in prison and I'm writing to you. And the word of God is not bound. Like, it is free, right? Hebrews 4, 12, it is powerful is quick it pierces you know and so that's this is a good thing for us to know that the, the word is going to have its way uh, regardless of even our own opinions talk let's talk one more one more thing i want to get into and i think we're going to go back to that whole idea of the church uh, one key verse for me guys is in hebrews uh, chapter 13 verse 17 and it says this obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. Now, this is about church leaders. And it says, as those who will give an account. So, you know, listeners, if you're if you're hearing this and you're at a church and you have elders and pastors and they're keeping watch over your souls, it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, don't make their work harder than it is. Don't don't you know, demand certain things and make their job harder so that they would groan. And that word is a very strong word, groan. And so is joy. Joy is a very strong word. Anyway, but I want to get into this a little bit because this touches on the church, but also relationships in the church. What do you do with people that say, well, look, the government said it. I have to do it. I can't budge one bit or else I'll be disobeying God. On the other end of the spectrum, people who say, well, the government said it, but you know what? I can protest and I'm going to protest as much as I can. What do you do to help people who are on both ends of the spectrum? Where, where, do, you, where do you take them? Do you, do you cheer them on and say, yeah, you go and you do, you do that and you go and you do that? Or what, what do you do? Well, in one sense, uh, Paul tells pastors to model behavior for the people. And I feel like maybe you saw a little snippet of it just now where Brian and I came at the issue from different sides. By the way, I agree with everything you said, the way you phrased <laughs> it. Um, but we... but. But Brian and I are still wonderful friends and we love working together. And there's other issues where different pastoral staff will, will think about it differently. And yet we want to model the unity and the love and the fellowship that, that ought to characterize us whenever we're talking about uh, 
essentially non-moral issues of, of understanding. But here's an interesting one. There are people who will say these are moral issues, that these are actually cut and dried. You know this. Uh, some churches are coming out and saying, this is exactly how we should respond in this moment. There's no wiggle room. And other churches are coming out and saying, oh, uh, we got a lot of freedom because the Bible doesn't prohibit this or that. Um, what do we do with very strong opinions in the church? And uh, obviously, guys, you know, we want to be examples to the flock and model unity and love and fellowship and, and on those non-moral issues. And I think sometimes, you know, I think part of what I'm getting at right now, I think, is we need to, to lead uh, humbly but firmly, boldly in the sense of there are certain people we need to say, you know, you got a really good point or, wow, that's not that's a valid view but maybe you're going a little overboard, or maybe let's let the word correct us here. What does the word say? And really, shepherd people. There are some people that might be too tightly wound uh, on, you know, obeying every rule when it's not a law. And there's people that are too tightly wound on, I'm gonna always fight the man. You know, you know what I'm saying? That could be what is the so asking more questions about the impact of those actions on the unity of the church asking good questions about what is the impact on our gospel witness by doing these things like Randy was saying earlier. And so we, we need to think about the impact of our actions and the opportunities that it, it might give us or it might take away from us. And, and so those things in a society where we do have a lot of freedoms, those things are weighed so that we can give the most, uh, the most impact to our, our gospel witness, the most impact to our, our, our display of God's glory, um, both for those who are in the church. Uh, uh, you know, we're thinking about Colossians 3 and, and other passages that point us to the fact that God's spirit is going to allow us to have kindness and compassion hearts uh, towards one another that will bind us in perfect harmony. Um, and that's, that's where we, we want those, uh, those fruits of the spirit to really be poured out in the places where we have freedoms because what what is our what is our freedom for our freedom is so that we can glorify god mm -hmm. yeah well said hey, all of you uh, thanks for for uh, speaking into this um looking forward to sunday i think we're going to post this soon so that we can get this up and and maybe tomorrow it's going to be up it'll be up tomorrow As in today is, when you're listening to this thursday this is thursday it'll be thursday april 30th and on um on sunday may 3rd we're going to be having uh, in the morning, our live stream worship at 9.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I'll be addressing coronavirus and Christians and these same three points, coronavirus and relationships, coronavirus in the church, and coronavirus in government. I'll be preaching 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And then in the evening, 7 p.m., we'll be having live stream Grace Bible Institute. We'll have a roundtable, several of us there, and we'll also be taking live questions. And so we'll make sure we get the information out of how you can put in questions now ahead of time, as well as live during the program. And then I want to close with something that James was just saying that really three questions that uh, I want our listeners to think about as we're all thinking about them. And it's this, when we think about this whole topic and we think about how we respond and navigate in this moment in time that God has us in, the first question we need to ask is, how does this glorify God? Second question we need to ask is, how does this edify my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? And the third question we need to ask is, how does this impact our gospel witness? And so you've got, how does it glorify God? How am I building up the body of Christ? 
and how am I glorifying God in gospel witness through my responses and through my choices that I am making in this moment in time that God has me in. So those are crucial things, and uh, we're praying for you listeners, and please pray for us as well. Right on. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, hope you tune in on Sunday night at 7. Just to clarify from what you just said, Mike, check the email that you're going to receive today, and I think even yesterday's email as well. Um, it has a form where you could submit questions for Sunday night. Um, so we're looking forward to that time. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.